Welcome to Passion Life Church. I'm excited about today because we're starting a brand new series that I've entitled, If God Can Use Anyone, He Can Use Me. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. And in this series, here's what we're going to do. We are going to look at some people in the Bible that God used mightily. And what's interesting about these people is that they were ordinary people, but when God called them, they did extraordinary things. And one of the reasons why I want to focus on certain individuals in, in the Bible is because we can learn how God chooses people. Why is that important? Because here's the reality. The way God chose people wouldn't always be the, the way you choose people. If I was putting together a team of people to change the world, I don't know if I would have picked who God had picked. But you know what? He picked people for the reason. And a lot of times, here's what he did. He picked the people who were underdogs. He would pick the people that were overlooked. He picked the people that were insecure. He took, he took, uh, he picked the people that were fearful. Sometimes nobody even knew who these people were, but then God called them. And a lot of them, to be honest, were, were underdogs. They, they were just, they were underdogs. And really, I think that's one of the reasons why we love the Bible so much too, is because it's filled with these kind of stories of these people, these underdog people who did incredible things like David. David was an underdog and yet he killed Goliath. Nobody would have thought Saul didn't even think that David was going to kill Goliath, but you know what? He killed Goliath. Um, and I think we somehow identify with David. I don't think I've met anybody that says, you know, I identify with Goliath, Pastor Phil, right? We all identify with the underdog story. I think we also like, that's why we like underdog movies, like Rocky for some of us. And uh, I was watching uh, The Karate Kid. I mean, back with Ra- Ma- Ralph Macchio and, uh, and, and, the, and his stance and the underdog story. But can I just tell you, I think one of the reasons why we identify and love the underdog story so much is because I think somewhere in our own lives, we identify as the underdog a lot of times. Can I hear a good Amen. And I think what happens is when we look in the mirror, even we'll look in the mirror and we don't really see someone that can do extraordinary things. We actually see uh, an underdog. We don't see someone who can accomplish something great. And because when we look in the mirror, we know ourselves, we know our own humanity. Am I the only one that is being honest this morning? And when we look at ourselves and we go like, man, we, we know our weaknesses. And, uh, but I think that's why we identify with the underdog so much in the Bible and in movies. But can I just tell you this? We have to be careful because what can happen is underdogs are prone to this, what I call faulty reasoning in their minds. And what happens is that we can have have a tendency to just hide behind our excuses. And that's what I want to do in this series. I want to look at some people in the Bible and I want to look at the excuses that they had to overcome. How many of you think that that's good? That's good because I want to stand before you today and tell you there's even times in my own life personally that I feel like I'm the underdog. I feel like the odds are against me. I actually feel sometimes that there's more people that are against me that are for me. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But here's what I want us to understand, my church family. It's so important. When the odds are against you, God is for you. And when God is for you, no one can stand against you. If you believe that, come on, give him a good round of applause. 
And I realized that if God can use anyone, he can use me. But God uses people that society wouldn't even pick. He uses these underdogs. And I'm going to tell you why he uses underdogs. Because he gets the glory out of it. He gets the glory out of it. And I think each and every one of us, we have to realize that we have a purpose. And this purpose is attached. There's an opportunity attached to it to glorify God in our lives and to do some things that we never thought possible. And if you'll allow me to, I want to provide a foundation for our, our series because I think this is so important. Have you found 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8? The Bible says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord. How many of you have a testimony? How many of you have seen God do something in your heart and in your life? Can I see a good amen? You have, can I hear a good amen? You have a testimony. He says, Paul is writing to Timothy, a young pastor. He says, listen, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoners, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Listen to verse nine who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of his own purpose and grace. And he gave it, he, he gave us in Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. Not because of our own works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. This is interesting that Paul is writing this to Timothy, but he's also speaking to us and he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this is what he's telling us. And maybe you've never heard this because I believe it's possible to be in the church. I believe it's possible to read the word for 10 years and be pray, be and pray, be faithful to the church and never realize what Paul is telling Timothy and he's telling us. He's saying this, the same God that saved you, the same God that forgive has forgiven you of all your sins, the same God that saved you, not only saved you, listen to me, he called you as well. He called you. So he called you. Now, this word in the Greek called is means invitation. It's a special invitation. It's a personal invitation. My church family, the Bible says this. The Bible says many are called, few are chosen. Can I break it down this way? Everyone is invited by God, but few actually show up. God is calling and sending out the invitation, but oftentimes what happens is people have excuses. The Bible says that the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. And let me tell you why I think that laborers are few. Part of it is because many people don't realize what Paul told Timothy is that we're not just saved, we're called. And so many times the emphasis is on our salvation. And I don't want to demean that. It's so important. How many of you are thankful that you're saved? I think that, and that's where it starts. But notice he puts these two together. He says, not only are you saved, he says, but you are called. And my church family, God wants us to be as confident in our calling as we are in our salvation. Come on, somebody. And, and, and I want us to hear that today because I've been in church many, many years and it's only really been in the last maybe three to four years that I've really put an emphasis on not just getting people saved, but people need to understand that they're called, that God is calling you. He's calling you. And here's the great thing. Listen, it's a holy calling. It's a holy invitation. And that word holy just means simply this separated or consecrated, that we are separated for a certain purpose. We are separated from sin, but consecrated to God. We're separated from sin for spiritual 
significance. See, this is, and as we talk about this, I think some things are going to start to make sense to us, and I'll tell you why. There's a reason why in your life you try to get involved in certain things and you couldn't blend in. You were never called to blend in. You were always called to stand out. You are called to be separated from the world. You are called to be holy. And when you receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, guess what happens? He makes you holy. He separates you. But this calling is a holy calling. And listen, it is a calling that God calls you by name. And we're going to see that in a moment as as we focus on Paul. God actually calls him by his Hebrew name, Saul. He's a personal. Do you remember when God called Moses? He uses his name. Aren't you thankful that we don't have a God that is distant, but we have a God that knows our name and he calls our name? Not only does he know our name, but the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on our head. So when a hair falls out, that's hair number 2,467. He knows us and he calls us by name. And my church family, to me, I'm going to be honest, this is life's greatest privilege to be called and to be used by God. To be used by God. What an honor. My church family, I I want us to get the scope of this. This isn't like the president of the United States summoning you to the White House. This is the God of the universe who's calling you by name because he wants his glory to be shown through you. Come on, somebody. Four people are getting it. That's good. That's a start. And I understand, like, when you hear something like this, it's a little overwhelming. Pastor Phil, it's a holy calling. Now, here's what's cool. God knew you were going to say that. God knows all of our excuses. That's why he put verse 9 in there. Are you ready? Because like, wow, this is big. God's inviting me. He's calling me. I thought calling was only for pastors and missionaries and the Pope. Come on, somebody. Right? I thought that's what it was. This holy calling. Pastor Phil, this is big. This is overwhelming. He knew that that was going to be an excuse for us. That's why he put verse 9 in there. He says this. It's not by your own works. It's by his own purpose. Watch this. And then he covers it with his grace. He says this. He says, it's not by your own works. Not that works don't matter in my church family. But what he's saying is we need to understand that we are saved by grace through faith. Right? But he says, it's not by your own works. It's by his own purpose and grace in Christ Jesus. So here's what happens. When I spend time with Jesus, purpose is revealed to me. And so it's so important because God's own purpose and calling, he actually puts grace on there. So each and every one of us have a purpose. But let me just tell you this. You are also graced for the purpose that God has called you to. So he doesn't just leave you there to do it by yourself. He actually empowers you to the purpose that he put in Christ Jesus for you. Can I hear a good amen today? Can we go a little bit deep in Romans chapter 8, verse 29? It says this, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Listen to this, verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also what? Come on, say it loud. He also what? He also called. So moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called. And whom he called, then he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. So watch this. 
The Bible says that God foreknew you. This is beforehand. This is he knew you before you were born. I'm praying that God would help us get a scope of what this is all about. Because this is so important. Before you were born, before you existed in this earth, you existed in the mind of God. Why do you think the enemy comes so hard against people with the spirit of suicide? It's not because your life doesn't mean anything. It actually means your life is so significant, so strategic. But the Bible says that he foreknew you. And so before you, before you even knew you, he knew you. Before your parents, before your dad hit your mom up and said, hey, girl, Let's get together. Before your mom and dad came together, God had a plan. Man, so powerful. So my life is bigger than me. Oh, we got to get a scope of that. It's bigger than me because someone above me liked me. Someone above me purposed me. Someone above me loved me. And it's powerful. And then it's, then he calls you. And then it says this. Not only did he foreknow you, but listen, he predestined. Let, let, let me, let me, let me uh, just explain this a little bit. Pre means in advance, but destined means ending. So he pre-ended me. So what does that mean? It means that he already had in mind my end from the beginning. But here's the thing. It's possible that he could foreknow me and me not know it. It's possible for him to predestine me and I'm not and don't understand that or don't know it. But check this out. All of this was done before I got here and it was God's divine prep work for your life. But listen, my church family, all of this was done in the spirit world. Listen, everybody look at me. This is why your spirit is the real you. You are not a body and a soul and have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in the body. Your real you is your spirit. But watch this. So all this was done in the spirit. This is why when you put an emphasis on living by God's spirit, what happens is you get in touch with who you really are. And when you get in touch with who you really are, you don't want to be who you were. But listen, but most of us put our emphasis on the soul. Most of us put our emphasis on how we feel at the moment. I was talking about this with somebody this week, and I told him this. Your real spirit is your spirit is the real you. And we have to be careful when we just start going by how we feel. And but when you emphasize, and we said at the beginning of the year, this will be the best year you ever had if it's the best year spiritually for you. This is why you're in church today. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're tired. I'm glad that you came. But there's something in your spirit that's going, yes, yes. And so when we sow to the spirit, we reap of the spirit. 
That's why my emphasis, not just because I'm a pastor, is spiritual things. Because that's who I really am. And that's why I'm going to find out who I, I really am and who God has called me to be. So listen, he could foreknow me and I may not know it. He could predestine me. I may not know it. But then he called me. But when he called me, that can't be independent of me. So he calls me, watch this, and when God called me, here's what he did. When God called is when God brings into time what he has done in eternity. I want to say that again. So what God does is when he called, his, this is what he does. He brings into time what was done in eternity. And you may heard it, and it's a cliche, but it needs to be said. That's why you're here at this time. The world knew, God knew that the world would be cray-cray, so he put even more more cray-cray people, you, in this world to change the world. Because if God can use anyone, he can use you, and you are here in his perfect timing. Can I hear a good amen today? God brings into time what he has done in eternity. So the calling is God making us aware of what he's already done in eternity. Man. So this is why If you don't say yes to God's calling, your life will never make sense. Never. Pastor Phil, I'm on a journey to find myself. Where did you go? I don't know. I'm still looking. Marco Polo. Marco Polo. My church family, you cannot find yourself in yourself. You have to go to the one who made you. He is the one who defines you. But here's here's where the pride gets in. We don't want to go to God because we want to give our own self the credit when we find ourselves. How stupid does that sound? Come on. Yeah, I found myself. Well, where were you? Well, you know, that's a long story. I was born in a hospital and And I'm not trying to make fun, but I talk to these people all the time. It's like a dog chasing its tail. You already got it. It's there. And so until we say yes to the call, life's never going to make sense. My church family, you cannot find yourself in yourself because you didn't create yourself. God created you. He did it. And so God doesn't determine whether we fulfill our destiny or not. Our decisions determine that. So you can say yes to God's calling or you can say no and wander through life. Many people are. Many Christians are. They feel like just, oh, this little word, little prayer, live my life, go to work, pay some bills, maybe go to the beach this summer. And that's life. No, you're called. You're called according to his purposes. Now, I understand today when I'm talking about calling, that's a little foreign because we're we're a texting generation. We don't call. I remember I accidentally I, I, I called someone on purpose. I called them and it was ringing and ringing. And then the person answered the phone and they actually did this. They went oh, and they hung up on me. I said, well, what? Because they realized that they answered the phone. And then I got a text later. I got a text saying, hey, what's what's going on? I was like, what's going on? I called you. So I had to text them to tell them that I'm calling them. My church family, the calling is in the text already. The text says here, you are called. And so today, God is texting you to tell you that he's calling you. 
I'm going to drop. I'm going to drop the mic this morning. So he's been texting you to tell you, hey, I'm calling. I don't know about you, but do you just randomly call people like, hey, I don't. Every time before I call, I actually have a purpose. I have a purpose of why I have a, a, a pre-indicated conversation that I already have. And oftentimes, many times, I, I, I'm already prepared for the voicemail. So I've already rehearsed that because there's a purpose in my calling. My church family, God calls you because you are his and he calls you because there's a purpose to that calling. Can I hear a good amen today? And I know we like reading the text, but I'm just telling you today, again, that the text is telling you that God is calling you. And I wanted to set this as a foundation because I think this is so important because we are going to look at people who God was calling. And like you, like me, they had excuses. But here's what they did. They decided to go beyond their excuses and step into the call of God for their life. Watch. That's why we read about them today. That's why we're so inspired by them today. And this is my prayer. My prayer is that as we look at their excuses about these people in the Bible and how they overcome, I'm praying that it will cause us to rise up on the inside. Can I hear a good amen today? And it is going to cause you to get rid of your excuses and then get moving in the full direction of your destiny and your dreams. Listen, here's what I'm believing for. I'm believing for in these next couple of weeks that passion will rise in your heart again. Listen, you cannot have passion unless you have purpose. Purpose. Purpose always fuels passion. And I'm praying that passion would be ignited in you. Why? Because you realize your purpose. You realize that you're not only saved, but that you're calling, that you're called. Man, this sounds like a good series. And so in the time that we have left together, here's what I want to do. Because every week we're going to take one person in the Bible and we're just going to kind of analyze them. And today I just want to look at Paul. Are you still here this morning? God, you came to church. We're going to look at Paul. Paul was called by God. And I'm going to be honest with you. Paul would not be somebody who I would put on my team. We're going to look at his rap sheet today. He's not someone who I would say, hey, you know what? Be on my team. And Paul had the excuse. What was Paul's excuse that he had to get through? Paul had a really bad past, a really bad past, but he had to face it. My past is really bad. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about Paul. Paul was a Pharisee, okay? He was a religious person. To be a Pharisee, you had to have the first five books of the Bible memorized. He's not, <laughs> this, he ain't playing. But his past was pretty dark because he actually persecuted Christians. He, he, he murdered Christians. And when you think about that, that should have really disqualified him from doing anything great for God. Yet God called him and he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Some of you and I's favorite scripture came from a murderer. Some of you, our favorite scriptures are locked in Paul's writing because he went beyond his excuse and said yes to the calling of God on his life. And here's what I love about Paul. He wasn't ashamed and embarrassed about his past. 
And I think that's how you know you've overcome. I think that's how you know when you're healthy. I think that's how you know when you are forgiven, when you can actually speak boldly about what God did for you in your past. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not, I've been around people that when they give their testimony, it sounds like the life that they had before is better than the life that they have now because they magnify their, you know what I mean? When I was on drugs, things are so good. Like, hey, dude, you know, let's, let's magnify what Jesus did. But listen, I want to say that it's it's important that we don't forget what God has done in our lives. And I think it's a healthy way when you are healthy, forgiven to be able to stand up and say, look what the Lord has done. And I love that Paul, listen, he said yes to the call of God, but Paul's the first one that will tell you, he says, I was the chief of sinners. I wouldn't have picked him. <laughs> I wouldn't have picked him. But Paul's the ultimate underdog. And that's why. He, he, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. And then we're going to read here in a moment. He's preaching the gospel. God's using him and he gets arrested. And then he has to go before the King Agrippa. King Agrippa ruled the Eastern side of the Roman empire. And so he's under prosecution. I mean, he's, he's getting persecuted for his faith and he's standing before the King. And here's what he does. He tells his testimony. He tells his testimony. Acts chapter 26, verse nine. So He's talking to the king and he's responding. And here's his response. He's going to start sharing his testimony. Acts 26, 9, he says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many sinners in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Listen to these, listen to these words. And I punished them often all in the synagogues. And I tried to make them blaspheme in a raging fury against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In other words, I was a creeper. Man, I would follow these people around even to the point where I would persecute them no matter where that they went. And he doesn't sound like a nice, nice guy. And I don't know if you caught that, but he says, I, I put people to death. Paul, in his own words, is admitting that he's obsessed with persecuting, torturing, and killing Christians. I wouldn't have picked him. Come on, be honest. But if there was ever a guy who could speak and write on the grace of God, why not Paul? Now, his Hebrew name was Saul, but Luke, when he writes about him, he calls him Paul. And I think this is what God does. He takes the foolishness things of the world to confound the wise. He takes the worst sinner to write about the grace of God. And I'm talking about this because some of us think that our sin has been so great that God could never use us. Um, have you ever murdered someone? If you have, don't tell me, okay? It's under the blood. But what I'm saying to you is they had great excuses that they had to overcome. And for Paul, it was his past. And his past is what made him the ultimate underdog. I mean, that's pretty dark. It's a pretty dark past. But can I ask you, what's in your past? What's in your past? See, maybe when you look at your past, you're tempted to think that what happened in your pow the past has the power to disqualify you from being called by God. So you won't be used by God. Maybe you review chapters of your life and your story and you would even characterize them 
as dark. Maybe you're ashamed of decisions that you've made, consequences you've suffered, and even people that you've hurt. Maybe you've been hurt, but also maybe you have hurt some people. Come on, somebody. And maybe, maybe you're living with regret. Maybe you're living with pain of your past. And just about the time where you begin that you think you're going to be moving forward in life, guess what's happened? Your past starts creeping up on you and it tries to sabotage you and your confidence. And maybe for some of you, you feel like, man, you are just paralyzed by your past. You're paralyzed even in your relationships, your finances, or even in your relationship with God because of the darkness of your past. And if so, listen, my church, I want you to, my church fan, I want you to hear this. If there's anything that we can learn from Paul's life is that there's no past that is too dark that will disqualify someone from being used in the present and future by God. Can I hear a good amen today? And I want to, I, I want us to understand this. This is the goal of the enemy. Watch this. The goal of the enemy is that you would be paralyzed by your past. Why? Because one of our greatest enemies to our future is our past. So the goal of the enemy, listen, the goal of the enemy is that you would be paralyzed by your past. But here's, here's the goal of God. Are you ready? The goal and God's goal is that your past will become a platform. Let me say that again, that your past will become a platform that God can use for his glory. So this is what happened with Paul. Paul, his past became his platform for God to use him. But the enemy wants us to be so bound by the things that happened in the past. And when we are, we never are able to testify of the glory of God. But Paul said, I'm going to use the past and God's going to use it as a platform for me to show off his glory and to show off what he can do in the life of a person. Anybody agree with that this morning? Yeah, come on. You can give the Lord a good round of applause. Your past is your platform. Listen, this is what God does. He'll take a murderer and turn him into a missionary. Are you ready? God can take your mess and turn it into the greatest ministry you've ever had. And I'm saying this not just because of Paul. I'm saying this because it's happened to me. My greatest mess has become the greatest ministry that God has used in my life. I never, this is what ticks the devil so, 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 this is what ticks the devil off so much. Are you ready? The devil hates that your past can be used for God's purposes. So watch. So here he is. He's tempting you to sin. Right. And before you gave your life to Christ, you were going crazy. Right. And you were partying. You were doing all the things that you thought were cool. And he's tempting you. And then he's telling on you. My pastor always says when people say nobody's going to find out, he says nobody's going to tell. He says, no, you need to know the devil always tells. He'll tempt you and then he'll tell on you. Right. And so he's tempting you and he's telling on you and he's beating you over the head. And all of a sudden you come to a a church service at Passion Light Church and you realize you're saved. You realize that you're called. You realize now, guess what? That my past is now going to be a platform for God to use. And now the devil is like, what? Your past is now being used for God's purposes. Yeah, you loser. This is what Romans 8, 28 says. And we know that all things God works for the good. Watch this. For those who loved him and are what? Come on, say it and say what? And is called according to his purpose. Now, let me clarify this before we pray in just a minute. 
I'm not saying that God did this to me in my past. My past was my own decisions. I made those decisions. They were bad decisions. But this is what God does. When we repent and he forgives us, he will take those bad decisions. He will turn it around for his purpose. How does he do that? Because I can stand, and I love this, my church family. This is why you cannot be ashamed of your testimony. When somebody's sitting with you, and I've been through it thousands of times in 30 years of of, of pastoring, when someone says, you know, I'm on the verge of suicide. You know, I'm not ashamed to say... I was right there and I know how you feel and God saved me. See, because when you do that, it shows the reality of God's power. It shows the reality that God did it for someone so he can do it for them. Can I hear a good amen? When people are telling me that, man, I can't stop this addiction with drugs and I can sit there and they look like, you know, like they're the only ones going through it. No, you're not. I've been through it as well. It's part of my testimony. And so God's taking my mess and he's turning it into a ministry. And I'm telling you today that if I can get off drugs, if I can stop smoking cigarettes, and smoking a pack a day. Listen, God can do it for you because he turns your mess into a ministry. You don't know how many, and I can't wait till I get to heaven because I want to talk. I don't know how many people that through the power of God and the platform of my past, we've talked out of killing themselves, that some of them now are in the ministry. Some of them now are, man, changing the world for Christ. Why? Because you need to realize that your mess becomes your ministry. Some of the greatest people that are counseling marriage and uh, marriages today are people that come from broken homes, people that are coming from even divorced homes. Can I hear a good amen? Because you went through it. Now God's using it for his glory in your life. Can I hear a good amen today? But because we're human, we get ashamed of our mess because of our pride. That's what happens. But I want to tell you something. When God forgives you of your sins, he forgives you of the shame and the guilt. And I'm so thankful that I can talk with people and see the power of God flow through the platform of my past. And it's the same for you. And here's the cool thing. Can I just tell you? All of us have different struggles. And so a person that I may minister to may not be a person that you would, but you need to minister. You know, the Bible talks about not only are we saved and we're called, I want you to hear this. The Bible talks that all of us are ministers of reconciliation in this world. You are here, primarily my church family, to change the world. To leave an impact on the world. You are an influencer, whether you see it or not. The question is, what kind of influence are you? But I want to close with this. See, our past... And overcoming our past begins with a life-altering moment that only Jesus can do. This is what Paul had. Paul had a moment. Paul had a moment with Jesus where Jesus appears to him. And I want to say this before I read this last scripture. Paul was a Pharisee, the elite of religion of his time. He knew the law, memorized the law. But you know what Paul shows us? Paul shows us that you can know religion and never know the reality of Jesus. I'm not talking about religion today. I'm talking about seeing Jesus for who he really is. Having a moment. And can I just say this? Because Paul was persecuting people in the name of God. Everybody look at me. Not everything that is done in the name of God is actually God. 
Sometimes it's just people, and we need to know that. Can I hear a good amen today? I hear people say, well, I was done in the name of God. Yeah, but it wasn't God. It was people. And Paul would have told you the same thing. And so Paul finishes his story in front of the king talking about his encounter with Jesus. Acts 26, 13, he says this. At midday, O king, I saw the way, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And we we had all fallen to the ground. I heard a voice saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said... I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, I want to stop here for just a moment before we close. There's a couple things here. Number one, he asks Saul, which is Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? Let me just explain that. A goad is, if you knew anything about in that time, the farmers would put a yoke upon their oxen to help them in their fields. And the oxen would pull plows, but they would put a sharp stick that was called a goad. And so when the farmers were trying to give direction to the oxen and the oxen didn't want to go, they would turn and they would get hit with that sharp stick. In other words, they would hurt themselves by not going in the direction that they were supposed to go. And here's what God was saying to Paul. Paul, why do you keep hurting yourself going the wrong direction? How did Paul hurt himself? It wasn't probably physically. It was probably in his conscience, knowing that he had killed people, knowing the, the, the past that he had lived through. But my church family, some of us don't realize about kicking against the goads that we are hurting ourselves when we're not following in the direction of God. Can I hear a good amen today? And I just want, I need, it's important that we say that because so many people, they're hurting themselves and then they blame God. No, God is setting direction. God is calling you. He wants to show you. He wants you to live the life of the purpose that he has in you, but we can kick against the goads. But let me also say this. He says, Lord, he says, who are you persecuting? He says, uh, he, uh, the Lord said, I am Jesus who you're persecuting. Listen, I want to say this before we close. I want you to notice what God is saying to Paul here. Cause it's so important. He's saying, Paul, Saul, what you have done to people, you've done to me. And the Bible confirms that. The Bible says, who you've done it unto the least of these, Jesus said, you've done it unto me. God takes it personal how we treat people. This is why he's calling us. He's calling us. He's calling us. And he's calling you. And then he says this, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant, a servant and a witness to the things of which I have seen and to those in which I will appear. My church family is only an encounter with Jesus like this in a moment where you can realize that God forgives you. And I'm talking about an encounter with the real Jesus, not with religion. This is what happened with Paul. It's only encounter with Jesus. It's only with Jesus that he can heal the shame of your past. It's only with Jesus that he can heal this condemnation that we have in, in our lives. 
But I can tell you this, the most powerful way to silence the voices of condemnation in our lives is to replace them with the truth of God's word, of who we really are according to Jesus. And I want to leave us with this because I believe that this is what God is calling us to do. Paul gets knocked off his horse. And it not only him that fell, all of them fell when they saw Jesus. Can I just put this in there? That's why sometimes when we pray for people, we have ushers behind them because people get overwhelmed sometimes and they can't stand in the presence of God. Do you remember when the Roman soldiers came for Jesus and they said, who is Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am he. And all of them fell. They were just overwhelmed by the presence of God, right? And so he falls down because he's so overwhelmed by Jesus's presence. But here's what I, I want to end today. Because God tells Paul, it's time to get up. It's time to rise up. It's time to, to get up. I'm appointing you. I'm calling you, Paul. And you're going to do things for me that you've never, ever imagined. And you know what, my church family? God is calling you to the same. I appeared for you, to you, Paul, for a purpose. And it's to appoint you to be a witness for me. My church family, if God can use Paul, he can use me. If God can use anyone, he can use you. And here's, here's the message today. It's time to arise. It's time to get past the excuses. Are you ready? And then we're going to pray. Some of us act like God didn't know our excuses before he called us. He knew your personality. He knew your insecurities. He knew them all. And guess what? He still called. He still called. And he's calling you today. And my church family, it's time for us to arise and say, yes, God, you are calling me. See, I think everybody thinks that you're going to be a pastor, but some of you don't even realize you are pastoring. Some of you are pastoring your family already. Some of you, gentlemen, you don't realize that you are the pastor to your home. Are you a good pastor? Some of you don't realize that by taking care of your kids at home is a calling. Can I hear a good amen today? Some of you don't realize that as a contractor, you're stepping into your calling. My church family, don't settle for a career. Step into God's calling. And if your career and your calling are the same, great. But I'll tell you what, God wants his children to step into their God-given calling. Come on, can I hear a good amen? And let's give the Lord a great round of applause. You may be, would you stand with us today and let's pray. It's a good start for part one, right? <laughs> I told my wife today, I said, I wish I was like the worship team and just could like sing some of the same songs over and over again. I was like, because sometimes I walk out here, I was like, man, that was great. Now, what am I going to do next week? I, 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 I don't even know. I mean, people are like, man, that was a great message. You know the pressure, like <laughs> next week, I got to come up with something. But you know what's amazing? It's not me coming up with it. It's the grace on the purpose of my life that God always shows us and he empowers us to do what he's purposed for us to do. Can I hear a good amen today? I want you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you. First, if you've never received Jesus in your heart, it's not a coincidence that you showed up to Passion Life Church today, but I want to pray. I want to invite you into the kingdom of God. How do you do that? By receiving Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, by looking at Jesus and his sacrifice and saying, you know what? I believe that his sacrifice for my sin 
I receive that, that Jesus paid for my sin. And you say, I want to repent today. Repent means I want to change my mind, God. I want to start serving you. I want to respond. I want to give you my yes today. I want to pray for you. And then second, I want to pray. I want to stir up the gifts that are in this room. I want to pray for you that you would be empowered to step past your excuses and start stepping into the calling of God. Let's pray. If you've never prayed this prayer and asked Jesus to come inside your heart, would you say this with me? And would you say it loud? Say it full of faith. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, come inside my heart. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you that we are not just saved, but we are called. Father, I pray that this revelation, Lord, would spark passion in them. Father, I pray that their purpose would become clear. Father, the world is is hurting. The world is lost. And here is your remnant. Here are the people, Father, that you are, are calling. And that they may they come to the revelation of that. Father, that they are influences for your kingdom. Father, I pray that they would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power. Father, I thank you that we all have a testimony. I thank you that we're not who we used to be. We may not be where we want to be, but Lord, we are not where we used to be. And Lord, I pray that we would have the boldness to tell somebody. And I thank you, Father, that you are building your people. And I pray right now, I stir up the gifts, Father, that you have placed in your people today. I stir them up by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that Marietta cannot stay the same because we have called people here. I thank you that our church cannot stay the same because we realize we are the call of God in the mighty name of Jesus. And today we put a notice on the enemy. We will not fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear or intimidation, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I thank you, God, that we as the called people, we operate in your power. Father, show us how to use the past that we have as a platform to glorify you. Father, we thank you for more salvations in this church, Father, for more people coming and and experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we say today, God, if you could use anyone, use me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Say this with me. Say, I am. Say it loud. I am called by God. One more time. I am called by God. All right. Now give him the greatest round of applause. You're going to give him all day. We love you. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.